Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast, where we speak, we grow, we rise. I'm your host, Sarah Moneres. The We Podcast is part of the We Spot, where we are passionate about creating community and providing a space for speaking authentic truth, growing together, and rising above challenges and into the full power of all we were created to be. Welcome to episode number 44, Making Space for Yourself. In this episode, I interview Kelly Quinn. Kelly is an intuitive leadership and business coach, life adventurer, and peacemaker. Back in 2013, Kelly left a successful life and business in Australia to follow her calling. Since then, she has been on a deep journey of introspection, one that led her to slowly discovering and removing all of the walls she had unknowingly built up inside herself to give and receive love fully. Kelly's personal practice of learning how to give and receive love practically has transformed the way she exists, communicates, and connects in life and in business. The lessons learned from living this way form the basis of her teachings today. Her coaching centers around a simple self-inquiry and self-reflection practice as she has found these to be profound tools in developing our self-trust and conviction and bringing our personal visions to life. Today, she lives proudly back at home in the UK with her fiance and little boy and with her mom and family just around the corner. She leads a remarkably loving life and stands for love, friendship, and compassionate relationships. This, my friends, is something that you definitely will see or hear, I should say, in Kelly. We had a wonderful and insightful chat, and I can't wait for you to hear all the amazing nuggets throughout the show. Kelly's story is vulnerable and inspirational, and I know you'll benefit from her knowledge and heart. So here we go. Here is my interview with Kelly. this episode of the We Podcast. I am so excited. If you could see my face, I have a huge smile on. <laughs> I'm, I'm just over the moon that I get to have Kelly Quinn here today with me to do a chat about life and all the things. So I, well, we have been anticipating this for a while. And so the fact that we're actually here is just amazing. So Kelly Quinn is the founder of the Bravery Community, and she is essentially like my other half or my soul sister, but she's on the other side of the world from, from me. We're, we're off, well, I guess not Australia would be on the other side of the world, right? So you used to be on the other side, but you're closer now. So you live in Wales, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. And so we have been connected through Facebook Mm -hmm. for about two years and I think an instant connection for sure on my part, but we can't, I, I just can't wait to introduce you to my listeners and let them get to know you and your story. And I know you have lots of amazingness to share with all of us. So welcome. Thank you for being here. 
Oh, thank you. And I, me too. We've just been sat here having a quick prep talk and my cheeks are hurting because I'm smiling and just acknowledging that it's been two years since we first connected. And, um, you know, it's like that absence makes the heart grow fonder thing. When you really love listening to someone's voice or seeing their face pop up or understanding a little bit to their journey, you really take on their energy. You take on their strength, you know. So um, it's lovely to be here. And hi, listeners. Um, yeah, hi. Hi, yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how you can feel the energy and even even though physically you're so far away, that that just is so amazing to me. I love it. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So when I first met you, I always kind of like to start out the episode with talking a little bit more about how we know each other. When I first met you, you were getting ready to do a, what was it? A summit? Yeah, yeah, an online um, education summit. Yeah, the Big Love Share Fest. And it was about um, me interviewing uh, teachers of consciousness around the world. Um, you know, really, how do you go from being in your head, chasing achievements into being um, and leading more of a, a life in your heart? Yeah, that's, that's how we first met when I was yeah. looking for people to come together on that. Yeah. Yes. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, the Big Love Share Fest. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yes. And I know it was, ended up being amazing for you. And so. You did. Yeah. Yeah. It shifted a heck of a amount. Yeah. I remember um, the, having the name and one woman that I met um, from Africa, she was living. And she said to me, you do know, take some responsibility to, if you go out to the world, with an energy of the big love share fest, you know, you're going to clear a lot of stuff, don't you? And my goodness, it did. Yeah. It opens up so many conversations and opportunities and it actually clears out a lot of stuff in my life that was, you know, not in alignment, you know, anything that wasn't loving or to do with love went very quickly. Yeah. Yes. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good cleansing. I had, to, like, I had to grow into that, you know, like mm. I said, yeah, and I was just saying um, to Sarah earlier, I had to grow into that um, because when you want something, often I, I always say that you we attract what we are, not what we want. And I had been asking for more love for years and maybe this will come out during our talk, but I actually didn't know how to be that loving. So these sort of mini projects that I've been um, giving myself have all been about love, like mm. how to learning how to love and how to be more loving to myself, others um, communicating more lovingly. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a, yeah, my own little development program. I think now I can see that for sure. That is amazing. Yes. Hmm. So you said you say that again, you are what you, you get what you are, not what you want. Yeah. You attract. So it's, um, it's a real truth that I've realized over a long period. You attract what you are, not what you want. You attract what you are, not what you want. So um, it came to me years ago. Gosh, I left Australia running the business and stuff five years ago, 2013. And um, I think, you know, I had created a business years ago. I never knew anything about manifesting and I certainly didn't know anything about the secret. You know, I didn't know any of that stuff. I just created from a good work ethic and wanting to get on in life. But 
then when I did start finding energy stuff, spirituality, you know, the secret law of attraction, um, it was really magnificent for me because I loved all these new principles. It all felt light and magic compared to my background, which was sales and, you know, forecasting and hard work all the time. So what am I saying? Finding the secret and stuff like that taught me that, um, you, you know, I was one thing and I was wanting something else. But if you can follow me, who I was was this very masculine, achievement-driven, sales-focused, material person. But I found all this lovely manifesting love stuff and I wanted that. Well, I wanted that. I was quite like, well, I've made all that stuff happen. I want that. But love doesn't work like that and care doesn't work like that and consideration and compassion and yeah those those things in life they don't work like that you can't click your fingers and have them mm. you are if that desire comes to you and thankfully it did me and so many others it did you have to work for it it's like you think you know that you can create and then you realize with love you can't you can't cut corners you do mm. the work Mm -hmm. you attract what you are not what you want and I'm you know most of the time today I have conversations and people are like well you know but that's what I want and I want this guy or I want a better relationship and but we don't we we're it's we're missing a piece is that Mm -hmm. we we attract it so we have to be coming if we want it Mm -hmm. Mm, that's so good so good (laughs) I have to remind myself I should put that in. Listen, everybody. I have to remind myself like sometimes 20 times a day. Yes. You cannot demand of love. It, um, it asks you to be it first. Mm, I love that. It's powerful. Oh, we're already, we're already in the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I want to know about your history. I know, I know about your story. Um, I've, I've read, some of your story in uh, in a couple different places, and and it's and it's amazing. And so, as you know, the We Podcast is a lot about our story and and finding the courage to speak our truth, to tell our story, because I think that helps for our own healing, but it also helps for other people to hear that. And so, you're all about bravery. And I love it. (laughs) So I'd love you to kind of start from the beginning and tell us, tell us about how you got to where you are today. I know that's a big question. Yeah, that is a big question. This is, I want sort of a piece of paper to break it down. Okay, let's try to keep this succinct for ease. Um, So I'm 40, I turned 40 last year and um, let's do sort of decades. So not to sort of 10. I grew up here in Wales. I have a gorgeous mum. I was an only child, really very curious, a little bit zany, a bit scruffy. And I look like, you know, Annie, do you remember the film, like Orphan Annie? Uh-huh. That was me. Like listeners, you can't see, but I do have like brownie ginger hair. But when I was little, if I could show you a photo, maybe I'll find you one for like the promotion or whatever. Yeah. Like I definitely was like Annie. Um, so I was cheeky, um, I was a bit, a bit of a ruffian in school. So there were a lot, I, I always say I had a colorful upbringing and my mum won't mind me saying this. We, we had, um, yeah, we had, I had lived with my mum and my stepdad. My stepdad was pretty, um, like 
it was pretty aggressive, not to me, but to my mum. And I learned a lot of things at home that I probably took to the outside world. So um, I was a bit defensive. I was a bit, you know, and that, that was that first 10 years. And then from 10 to 20, so, you know, those like early teens and growing up, I had developed a very strong attitude. Um, I was still curious, but then I had this bit of a chip on my shoulder. Do you have that saying mm. in your country, like a bit of a chip on my shoulder? Mm-hmm. Bit of still like, yeah, I was really kind and I love people and I always stuck up for the, um, like the person that was being picked on in school, but I was just rough around the edges, right? Mm-hmm. I, I love writing and I loved like going out with my friends. So mum, mum and I were on our own. So first decade I was with my uh, mum and stepdad. Second decade, it was really just mum and I, and um, it was much, it was much calmer. But I think for me, um, school, I never really got on with. I said to you earlier, I was not very academic. And the thing that really turned it around, like one of my milestones was there was an enterprise week in school that really was like how to, you know, um, make money. Like it was a banking initiative. And that was a turning point for me at 16 was an academic did this enterprise week one of the winning teams and loved it and that lit a spark in me that I'm like wow you can like you can make stuff and sell stuff and that can be your job Mm. um I did go to college um I struggled and pushed myself through college partly because you know that's what your parents really want for you isn't it you know even though I had bright ideas I wanted to go out working and be a waitress and even cleaning jobs I had mum would always encourage me like you know to have an education so I went to college and did what we have here, which is A-levels. I didn't love them. I struggled. Um, and then I went to university and I got really high grades actually in business and marketing. But I think because I really worked hard to make that course vocational, like lots of work experience. Mm. And then I went out into the world of marketing and banking. So early 20s, marketing, banking, sales, loved getting dressed up, sexy power suits, you know, mm-hmm. you know. And um, my my US friends always they laugh and say that their image of UK women are like pencil skirts, big sh- like big tight skirts, and we're all walking around like little Martians, you know, like soldiers. <laughs> and that's exactly what I was like. I always had a portfolio and a little briefcase. Um, my God, this feels like so long ago now. Um, truthfully, um, I never loved my work. Like I love looking after people. I was always frontline customer service, and that's how I did well and made sales. So. Mm. And I was always into mentoring, mentoring disadvantaged women, you know, volunteering on weekends. But really, like I was was very stressed out and quite anxious in marketing and sales roles up until sort of 24. And then I I, I just started knowing that there was something not not quite right with my life. You know, I'd have the highs of the weekend, go out with friends, but not ever really enjoying myself drinking a lot um you know that sort of I guess Mm -hmm. you start start, I think my experience now is about 24 25 you do start wondering hang on you know maybe your friends have started to get engaged or married I hadn't and I just didn't know you know why I was unhappy all the time in different jobs um on reflection years later I realized it was part of you know the, the way I felt about myself I was very aggressive in work but I dressed that up as um well I'm an achiever so I get to speak like this but actually I was very dominant very controlling very aggressive and of course that created a lot of disharmony in my roles with my team and other departments and big companies so 
25, I met my gorgeous partner who, you know, we're together now. We have a little boy and he was going to work away to Singapore. So from UK to Singapore. And I took the opportunity to go with him. I think I thought that I was having a year out, you know, let's have a break. I've, I've had enough of that job and I've had enough of that person and enough of that family member. I know I'll go away for a year and everything will be fine. And um, before I left, I started seeing my very first counsellor. So that was um, yeah, about 15 years ago. Mm. And thankfully, he was such a gift. You know, he would spend a lot of time just reminding me of um, the person in the situations that I was talking about was me. The common denominator was me. And although I suppose there was a lot of denial then, I didn't understand those seeds that he planted then, you know, started their work many, many mm. years ago. Went to Singapore, very attractive job, wonderful salary, traveled all around the world. And then I started seeing that where I realized that wherever I went, there was problems. Wherever I went, I had issues. Wherever I went, I was drinking. And yeah, sort of realizations, I think. And I, because of the counselor, I'd started reading. I had my first life coach in Singapore and things were starting to come to life year into Singapore I decided I want to work for myself I was, didn't know how to count add up I didn't know how to work out percentages um I was always very poor at maths but I got an opportunity to go to Australia um and I opened a business there um long story so I won't go into it but I opened like a promotional marketing business so marketing strategies for big companies and honestly that was like a huge break for me part of the reason I, I always like to say this because it's a bit of a success story you know how you look at a story and what you tell about a story is you know oh I can tell that angle of it or I can tell this angle well I'll, I'll tell you the angle which is I definitely wanted to be away from the UK I didn't want to return to the UK but I really didn't want this business either it was still in marketing but I really, I wanted to be a success. So I worked hard and to stay in Australia, you know, they had a certain amount of income you had to produce to get a residency. And I just worked my backside off and I um, was award winning and I did really, really well. Six mm. of us in the agency. And I just followed like a success track material. How can I be this? How can I win awards? How can I get, how can I get noticed? I think. Mm -hmm. And that went on wildly, wonderfully until I had probably like a really bad breakdown. I'd had burnouts for years, but kept achieving. And then I had my little boy in 2011. I had a really bad breakdown, burnout, breakthrough, depending on how you look at it. Mm. It was the best thing could have ever happened to me. I'm sure that was my pregnancy that brought that on. And that's when things started to change. Mm -hmm. I feel like there should be a pause there. <laughs> <laughs> That was the pivotal time, sounds like. Yeah. Yes. So your your partner went with you to Australia. Yeah. Um, so Singapore for a year. And once I knew I was opening the business to Sirius, he um, wrapped up his job in Singapore and came to Australia. Yeah. Okay. And what part of Australia? We were in um, Gold Coast first. And then um, about, about eight months, nine months in, that wasn't working for the business. So I moved to the um, center, Brisbane, um, and that and things really took off. That was where all the head offices were. And, you know, I needed to be really close to the, to the customers really to, to service them and build a business. Uh -huh. Awesome. I have a, a few friends in Australia, so 
That's, oh, nice. I, I want to go there. <laughs> I want to come to the UK too. <laughs> well, well, we'll be getting you everywhere. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. So the turning point when your son was born and do you feel comfortable telling us a little more about what yeah. do you mean by breakdown? Yeah, I think, um, so, you know, and you, you know, on reflection, when you look back, you can understand it all. There's a story, there are the pieces, but when it's happening to you, and I think that's, you know, that's sort of what I'm present to when I meet women every day, or women and men, but um, mostly women who are sharing like what they're going through. There's an awakening that's happening. I had been studying Buddhism for a long time. I'd been going to weekend retreats. You know, this was really following my first counselor, as I said, and um, picking up books like The Alchemist and um, The Dance of Anger, like wonderful um, classic books of with different topics, just identifying what's going on with me and then finding a book. So I'd been doing that for, you know, many years. I'd been going to these really quiet retreats where I just got to write about happiness or write about what was going on. And there was a real, like, like I said, like a Buddhist angle to it all. Meditation I dabbled with. So all of this had been happening whilst I was building the business. So let, to give you some context and to give a frame to it, that was 2007 to 2011, these years. And having my little boy or getting pregnant was initially, it was a real, um, I didn't want children, you know, having children were going to get in the way of my ambitions and my plans. And, you know, no, I didn't want that. When I felt pregnant with Harris, um, immediately I was happy. And it's, it's interesting because I think that's when I started to notice that I really wanted to take care of my body. That's the first time I... Mm had no concept of really taking care of my body before then and in fact having once I got past that three months you know that's that really special you know very precious time the most mums and dads will know of that you're worried about and once I got past that I can honestly say that I consciously started slowing down and although I really sped up in terms of my focus with work because I you know I was running a business it was about a million and a half in turnover it was pretty hefty business I had a great team and I started focusing on, you know, I need to get ready for the baby to come. So I would take time out and I remember going to the hospital and feeling great about myself because, you know, the baby was growing and I was healthy and I just started to like myself. But again, I didn't know that at the time. I know now that I was only just coming to an awareness of how wonderful I was and how lovely I was as a person. Before then, I was just running around achieving, really trying to prove some sort of worth from anything mm. so I had Harris um and you know the labor and everything was fine but I really just was not okay afterwards and I think I carried on for a couple of months I had a few months off went back to work I wasn't needed in work but I was never really settled at home with him I didn't know really what to do and I and I was fine looking after him but I didn't really feel him when I picked him up I felt very numb very confused I would lose hours in the day and I, I think you understand that that's probably because, you know, you're going through pregnancy, hormones and stuff. But I had no one. I was living in Australia and I had a few close family friends, but no one really that was taking care of me. And even my, my gorgeous partner, he was doing his best, but they can only respond to what you're saying. And I had no clue what was going on. Hmm. Um, very deep mood swings. Um, and we got an au pair to live with us. And I this is actually it's quite interesting reflecting on it now. 
we had um, four au pairs over a, about an, an 18 month period. And my, honestly, it's quite difficult to admit this, but um, I have always done a lot of empowerment work for women. I've always done a lot of careful caring of women. But these young women came into my life, into our life. They were taking such tender care of our little boy in the day. But I was noticing then in the night that I was very passive aggressive with them. Like, you know, if they hadn't done the cooking right or if they hadn't put stuff a certain way, I was very passive aggressive. Thankfully, I was mostly only ever loving to them. But I, I mean, Sarah, I can't tell you, it makes me feel a bit weird now even saying it. I was so mm. cruel, you know, nothing was good enough. Um, you know, they didn't chop the carrots the right way. And I, I remember getting this sort of like out of body experiences that I was going around doing stuff after them. And then remembering that I was supposed to be caring for them because they were caring for my little boy. And then they were telling me stories about other au pairs and the way they were being treated by women. So it was like this like weird thing was happening around my awareness that actually these young women, 21, 23 sometimes, were in my home. And although out in the day I was trying to work and I was running workshops, self-care workshops for women, I was actually being cruel in my own mind to them. Are you following me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes for me to to share this and something that was just it was just so out of my integrity it was just so out of integrity I'm like how can I be promoting women look after themselves when Mm -hmm. I'm not even taking care of myself and I'm not even really being that caring or loving to a stranger you know one woman one young lady came to live with us from Germany she was someone's daughter and I was being less than loving to her you know because I think you can just be you know when you're very withdrawn and you're not really being open and chatty with someone. And I knew I was being quite um, hard in my head towards them. I thought, well, they must be feeling that. This is their home. This is their temporary home. And I'm not being kind. So I started going to see a psychologist after admitting some things and journaling to myself. And then they said I was clinically depressed. I had um, post-traumatic stress, lots of things. And they attributed that to my childhood. But I wouldn't take any medication and I sort of got worse and worse. Thankfully, I started opening up to these young women and we started doing timetables together and they started, like we started helping each other cook and I never wanted to go to work. I just wanted to hang out with them and we do craft shop workshops mm-hmm. and, you know, they would show me how to journal and actually pray and it was just wonderful. I mean, we're still in contact with these women now and they, mm. they just looked after my little boy when probably I wasn't able to look after him as well as I wanted to. Mm. Adam, my loving partner, my lovely partner, um, kept saying, you know, you should take some meds, babe, and you should look after yourself and do less. But I was just spiraling down. And as I now I've learned, one of my coping strategies is when I'm not very good, not very doing very well mentally, I, I set more goals. It's like a strive for like control or something um and eventually I just completely burned out I couldn't get my head off the pillow I was laying in bed one morning and I just said I'm giving up I've had enough you know my little boy is bouncing around trying to kiss me and play with me I couldn't be bothered Mm. with him really that's the truth and um you know I have this loving man walking around my home this lovely lady out making breakfast and I just didn't I didn't want to be there I mean I didn't want to be around anybody. I just wanted to leave. So um, I had an idea that I would go to Bali and have a few months, just take Harris, our little boy. I said to Adam, I'll just go and I'll have a few months where I reset. Maybe I just need time out. I don't want to take medication. I just want to know that I can just connect with this little boy and feel him and his, feel his skin. And, and I went to Bali and I never came home. 
I just stayed there for what ended up being just over a year. I lived with a Balinese family. It's all beautiful story, really, but it was just sort of chance or coincidence or synchronicity that I was able to mm. meet um, a family and live in their their commune. And um, Adam stayed in Australia working. We you know, sold all our belongings and I let go of the business. I literally gave the business away to a woman that I really respected in the business community and I knew she'd look after the customers. My team by then has already started, you know, knowing there was something um, up, so moving on. Mm. And it was all, you know, as, as, as long as you know, seven odd years I'd been creating it. And then it was sort of, it was just, it was just, it went to nothing really quickly. Mm. Uh, I wasn't really able to negotiate my mind and my, the way I was operating was so closed down that I couldn't really, I couldn't function. I wasn't functioning, but I was trying my best to every day. I went to Bali, lived in Bali, learned how to take care of myself. Um, gosh, I learned, I, we were living in one room with a small kitchen and I just, I was just with Harris and Adam would come back and forth. He would commute commute get on a plane um Australia to Bali is like about I think about five or six hours so he would come and see us every six weeks for like an extended break and then mm. he would be on the phone on, on Skype and FaceTime with us lots and I learned I really did learn to look after myself and um I met the most wonderful healers and friends and I I would exchange my sales and sort of thought leadership consulting and they would give me you know um, energy work and they would show me how to do trauma release on my body and show me how to meditate and yoga and and it was just this whole period of love and care and nourishment and honesty um it, actually it was a year in and I, we decided that we would adam was going to come there and live we were like going to stay in bali and live this wonderful life and live out in the balinese you know forests and honestly i went to bed one night and the next morning I woke up and went, okay, I'm done. I need to go back to Australia, say thanks to the land and go and revisit people that I've missed and, you know, just close the loops on that part of my life. And I need to go back to UK and I need to be myself in the UK, heal with family members, meet family members, because I had never been myself around people. And mm. I need to go do, I need to go do work in the communities in the UK. And that's, I've been home four years. We've been home in the UK four years and feels like it's been about six months because I've had to do a lot of deep work to be able to come out in my community here. But um, my family all know me. I get like a little Buddha for my birthday or like a, a candle. And I, I spent the whole Christmas with all of my family. They know me, they see me. I don't hide any longer. I don't try and be this big, amazing businesswoman because that's... That's what I was trying to be all the time, you know, something special because mm. I thought mm. I was. And my little boy knows all of his grandparents and his aunties and cousins. And, and I just have the most amazing future ahead. And I'm around people that, I'm around the people that brought me up and I've healed stuff that wasn't that great. And I'm now working with all the people in, in Wales, you know, rebuilding consciousness and heart healing and I've got like I've got lots to do <laughs> <laughs> oh I love it lots of amazing to do yes yeah so I just love listening to you talk about 
well, you, you went through some dark times. It was some very hard times. And in those times, though, you were, it sounds like, able to listen to the core of you and what you really needed and and then follow through with that. So to go from Australia to Bali, that's a big step. Like that is a big commitment to leave everything behind the the business you had created, which was your identity essentially at yeah. that time and, mm -hmm. and say, okay, I'm fully going to dive into what it is I need right now. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It seems a bit, it seems a bit, every now and again, I go, wow, like, wow. But I, you know, that saying, um, oh gosh, do I get this right? Pain, I think it's pain pushes until vision pulls, something like that. I'd been doing mm. as I said, all, the, all the visionary, not the visionary, I'd been doing all the, all the writing. I'd been doing a lot of meditation. I'd done a lot of leadership work, you know, I'd been doing deep work, you know, with a lot of great people in Australia whilst I was building my business, but I was always doing that work. You know, when you see these like mindfulness adverts in the local community, you may, you may or may not have them near you, but in, in the communities I was in, mm -hmm. mindfulness for entrepreneurs. And it was like, do mindfulness, increase your performance. You know, everything was like any topic, yoga for high performers, you know, increase your presence to sell more. Everything was like supercharged because that yeah. was my community. Yeah. That was my, like my literally, like everything that was in my sphere of influence literally was to do with being more high performance, get more. Yeah. So then like, I think I had tried, well, this is the truth. I had tried to separate from that by doing my Buddhist stuff that really wasn't like, all you did was to go there and talk about happiness for three days and meditate. There was no pressure. There was no performance. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. And that felt numb and dull to me. I remember, but I think, well, thankfully I was listening and I was probably desperately tired and exhausted and in pain and lonely. I mean, I was, I think what I'm careful of is to label things. I had no bloody clue how I was feeling. I was just around, I was unconscious. So on reflection, I can look back and go, wow, I must've been lonely. I don't know how I was, but I was really very miserable. And my mood swings, I was also very aggressive to Adam. If I had drinks and he said something, you know, that upset me, I would be very aggressive. So, um, yeah, I didn't mention that earlier. So there were things desperately, really, really desperately wrong in my life. Um, and thankfully I had, I have probably, um, a seed. Well, there's something in me about honesty. Um, you know, I know hopefully we're going to talk about that a little later. Like there's something in me that is just, there's a gift around honesty. And that is what I think has been you know leading me like even when it's all a bit chaotic or now if I've got choices to make I'm now able to connect in with that honesty like what be honest what's going mm. on really like get a piece of paper scribble out what your life looks like is it the look at the reality Cal come on like I can have those frank conversations with myself mm. like like I said about the au pairs you know there's this young woman loving my son all day long 
or that's what I'm expecting. And yet I come home and the carrots are cut the wrong way. Like really, you know, get mm-hmm. a grip, mm-hmm. get a grip. Like does, does, does it even matter? Even if dinner's not done, is Harris okay? So I'm able to have those conversations with myself. And mm-hmm. so leaving the business, all I'd done was chase turnover, Sarah. Like if you told me, right, come and do this course, you're gonna put another 200,000 turnover on your business. Well, that's what I was doing. I was signing up and I was getting the 200 turnover. What's next? You, mm. As a salesperson, I, I, I meet a lot of salespeople that are sort of in recovery. Um, <laughs> and I think we're unhinged. You know, we're unhinged to start with. Sorry if there's lots of salespeople out there. <laughs> no, it's good. I think this is necessary. Yes. Yeah, we're, un- we're unhinged. You know, I, 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 I'm qualified to say that because, you know, you know we, we, a good salesperson loves a target. But guess what? The targets are always growing. So that means you're never going to be accept, you know, you're never going to be accepting of where you're at. Right. That is um, completely exploited by industry. You know, whatever your views, I'm like, no, organizations know how to harness an unhinged salesperson. Yeah. And that, that was my, that was my, oh, more, more. Oh, I can get the next awards. I can get the next turnover. I can reward someone. You know, it was crazy. So yeah it's interesting to look back on it's nice to have a little bit of wisdom isn't it it's like (laughs) you were a little bit crazy (laughs) oh the insight is good yes (laughs) no I I totally agree with everything you're saying about the sales field and industry especially so I have so much going through my head because I like, I feel like I want to talk about so many different angles. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. But I'm also definitely a high achiever. And so I can totally identify with you on that. Like I just, that that's our worth and our value is in what we can achieve. And yeah. that gets exhausting. And I think too, there, there's this culture and I don't know if it's the same there, I'm assuming it probably is, but this hustle and grind and go, go, go and run yourself into the ground to create this massive income or like you said earlier, all the material things, that's kind of, that's the culture, especially with entrepreneurs. And it's very sad to me. It's it's not sustainable for people and they, we do end up hitting a wall at some point because it's not something you can physically do forever, but it's also most of the time when you really sit down and you really evaluate it and you allow yourself to have that awareness, it's, it's not in line either with, with who we are. And it, it, when, as you're saying each word there, and I'm, I am nodding and I get it, but what's happening in my mind is like, I'm, I just see these, I see problems like they're billboard campaigns, you know, I think it must be the way my mind is trained. Um, but I see like, almost like adverts of problems, but I'm wondering, like, it's not, it's not new news. This is not hidden from our view. Like, this is not like we haven't actually discovered this yet. All of us know it we know what's going on. We know, we know it. We know people are taking drugs to enhance their performance. We, and I'm like, but yet we're still, you know, I'm really, 
like I'm waiting for the penny to drop to give them the answer to why we're still mm-hmm. running around chasing. I've, I've had to make a lot of changes in my lifestyle. I, I had to strip a lot back. And so that's five years since, um, yeah, going to Bali and we did make changes, but I got, te- I, I mean, it's, I, every change and every small restriction we put in has been completely made up of more connection, love, time, patience, you know, what Mm. is patience? Well, patience is being around in the morning when Harris is getting ready and I'm not screaming at him, even if he's not getting out of bed, I'm like, hi babe, come on, jump on my back. I can tell you that little boy, if I would have stayed working, he, he, I don't know what he would have been like. You know, I'm being very honest. I'm this, I am getting brave now, you know, because I am coming out and saying my story and, but I'm not making any, I'm not judging anyone. I have such compassion for where everybody is at in their life journey. But the reality is our world is too fast for babies. It's too fast for children. Like Mm -hmm. we're wondering why, let's not blame the school and education systems. We're wondering why their little brains and their hearts and they're confused. It's because our bloody world is so fast like Mm -hmm. it's so fast my my put my early poems Sarah like I think I said earlier you know my writing was quite scribbly and a bit angry when I first started knowing I was writing stuff it was messages to me but when they started coming through like quite um lyrical they it was and they were all about Harris speaking to me slow down let me slow down you know it was because Mm. everything was so fast the pace you know I was fitting fitting so much in I'm still like a crazy frantically minded woman I haven't lost that I mm-hmm. haven't, haven't lost that it's such a gift that all these ideas but the level at which I move with him and I hold him close to me like if I'm drawing I'm he's here he's, up, he's on my lap he's crawling all over me you know he's bloody too big to be crawling over me now but he knows that <laughs> my heart belongs to him I'm here I'll stop the world so I can hear him but we we need more of us to be saying that's okay. Let's stop buying the handbags and the and the bigger house and the this, like downsize. Mm. Just be with be present to your mum when she's asking you for something on the weekend. My mum asked me to help her use her iPhone years ago. She said like she I used to scare her. She was like, I didn't dare ask you. You were so snappy and so, you know, oh huffy. And and now I'm like, come on then, let's do it. And I don't bloody know what I'm doing either. And you know, but that that presence and awareness of another person. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do if we don't change this, you know? Right. We're not, it's like, this is not like, we're not selling anything. Like we're not selling anything except we're, at, we're appealing for love. Yeah. <laughs> like it's an appeal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I loved it. Before we were recording, you were talking to me about charging people for, for services and the things that you're you're doing, we're not selling on this podcast, but I think, (laughs) I do think this is an important point, but you were talking about doing it with integrity and how so many people are not doing that. And, and they are praying essentially on the people who, who do want to be something, to make something of themselves, to prove their worth and their value and, and how unethical and just so sad that is but the integrity piece is huge yeah 
It really is. Well, you were, we're all, I, I see, I mean, my perception is changing. You know, I, I'm sure you can read a book. I know for me, I can be very fixed, even though I think I have an open mind. I can be quite fixed on something and then I'll read something or hear something or, and I can start altering my perception. So I, I'm continually opening my perception of the sales world and the commercial world and all that. But the thing is, the collective consciousness seems to say in any country, I mean, I've lived and worked now in four different countries, seems to say that we are not enough as we are. Hmm. You know, I mean, we could have many conversations about this, you know, there could be yeah. episodes on this alone, but that's the message, full stop. You are not enough as you are. So then that leaves, I'm, I'm taking responsibility, right? You and I work in the coaching, counseling, education space. So when I look around, I've had a handful of ethical mentors and I've had like hundreds, I've had a handful of ethical mentors that are there for me, whether I've had the money or not, the money to pay and have made it a priority for them to like, they, they've made me a priority, whatever I've needed. The rest of it's been one big sales funnel. Now I appreciate that we all do need to, you know, we need to receive money for the breakthroughs and the gifts that we bring. I absolutely accept that. Mm-hmm. But common sense will tell you there's an, what the, integ- the way of integrity is and what the one is that uh, there is contributing to, um, you know, sales for sales sake. You know, it's, it, it, there's a, I, I feel a real core, a real responsibility to speak up more about that. And I know mm-hmm. as I, I reach another person, then we can join a conversation on that. But, um, you know, that's probably for an extended conversation for another time. But we do, we are setting examples, aren't we? As soon mm-hmm. as you have, as soon as you sit in a room with 10 people that are listening to you actively, well, then you have a responsibility for a duty of care for humanity. This is what I've been thinking, right? This last few days in my journaling. Let me see how it goes. You know, like when funny questions come to you and you want to unravel them. Hmm. It, the question was, will you take responsibility for what you have, what, what's not your fault? You know, will you, Kel, will you take responsibility for something you haven't done? You know, that's how I believe my intuition or my um, soul's calling comes to me. Like it just, it like has a little poke at me and like sends these questions. And then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. You know, I was cooking beans and eggs this morning. I'm like, yes, now will I take responsibility for that which I haven't done? Previous Mm. generations, harm, abuse, war. Will I answer the call to make better what I have not done wrong. Well, yes, I will. Wow. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, there's no, none of this. Well, that's not my fault. Oh, that's not my problem. Well, you're a human. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what would you like? What would you like? I mean, if the world is still going in 50 or hundred years, I would like to think that, you know, your children's children and their children, they're in, they have different tools than we have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, that's what we're responsible for. I yeah. think it's well, quite a nice responsibility, really. It's going to keep us busy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, hey, how many hours have you got? I need a clone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to absorb that in my brain because it's just so, it's so good and it's so powerful because this is something that also, I, I think we're programmed to do is blame 
and not take responsibility and, and turn things and put them on other people because we, we don't want them for ourselves. So first of all, I think people have a hard time taking responsibility for the things that are their responsibility. So to, to see then too, how to take responsibility for something that isn't, that that's not something that you've done. I mean, well, that's just the whole next level. And I love it. <laughs> you, know, you sent me those really, really useful um, questions before we met and that helped me, you know, because let's, let's be honest, you know, when you care about the world and you've had a journey, which most of us have, I'm sure your listeners will relate to this. It's like, um, how, how do I focus on what I'm going to work on? Because like all the projects are worthwhile. All of the causes are worthwhile. Mm. Um, and then it, you know, for me, what, what I'm finding is I just have to keep going back to what my gifts are um, and how I can, how I can connect with many, many others. Like, you know, there's one uh, with many people gets more done, like big team. But I, <clears throat> when I saw the questions you sent through, I was like, oh, these are really helpful, helping me to work out where I'm at right now. And this, this theme of responsibility and this, I guess the theme of responsibility and self-honesty, I don't know if that's the right word, but mm -hmm. you know, an honest look at yourself, you know, an honest look at how am I contributing to a better world or not? Because for sure, every choice I make, you know, um, we're much better now at recycling things that last year we weren't recycling because we've educated ourselves and you know, I've really stopped buying, you know, like maybe uh, an inexpensive top from certain places because I'm like, no, don't buy that because where does it come from? Just because it's a nice, colorful top to go with your jeans. Well, somebody else is paying a price for that, even though you just want a bargain. But that, you know, every like like 100 or maybe 200 choices a day mean that we are either contributing to a better world or we're not. Mm -hmm. and, and, and to be gentle with ourselves, but also to hold ourselves to account and say, you know, come on, you know, do this better, do that better. I mean, my, my particular thing is around love and connection and care, but um, I can't just, I can't, that's not me off the hook, is it? That's, I have to take care of the environment. I have to look at all the other things because we don't have, somebody's not coming to clean it up around us. It is us. And actually, if we take it from responsibility to it's my privilege to be a human, it's my privilege that I have the technology that I met you two years ago. You know, that you, you, I remember first hearing and seeing how you were talking, you know, to the people you were connecting with and thinking, wow, there's actually like someone that gentle and loving, like, you know, around the Big Love Share Fest time, I went out looking for love. If you think about it, I did. Mm. And if I, if I, you know, if I sent you over like the, the whole Big Love Share Fest speakers, you would just see a load of love on a page. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. literally and I'm like well I went out and found you like how fortunate how privileged am I well I'm for goodness sake you know if I put those dots together and I've met you and all the other people I've met well then we're, it's a privilege we've met one another and it's a privilege mm. to work together yeah oh yes <laughs> Kelly you leave me speechless <laughs> like it you're like you're looking going mm, yes <laughs> oh, it's like you know sometimes it takes me a little time to absorb it all and I because my mind also goes a million miles a minute <laughs> so I think we're similar in this way <laughs> but hearing 
these concepts from you, I mean, they, they almost feel like something that I, I do need to take, take a minute to absorb. It's not something that I feel like I can give an instant response about. Does that make sense? Uh, Because it, it feels so deep and so, so genuine and so, so valuable that I just want to absorb it. And so, and it makes my heart smile to think too, that you were going out looking for love and, and, and we got connected and just how, how amazing that is. And I guess I'm trying to wrap my brain around how much divine intervention is really going on around us at all, all, all the time because it wasn't an accident that, that we met each other. So it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I think that um, it, it's so true. You know, I, I said to you that I didn't send over my, I didn't send over some ideas to you until yesterday. And I did beat myself up a bit. I was like, I really should be more prepared, you know, but I can't, there was nothing coming. I couldn't be disingenuous. And then when they did come, I was so happy. So I was like, wow, great. These questions have helped me so much with my clarity because I'm working on, um, you know, what I would like to do some small talks on here locally. And people always want me, like, I think people expect of me that I'm going to talk about business concepts and like, you know, I suppose sales and coaching and all that. And I, I really have a lot to say about all those topics too, because I want more people to maybe um, like have one less um, night out on, the, on a month and then maybe use that money to have a coaching session or to join a local personal development group. You know, I would, mm-hmm. that's something that I really advocate, you know, less money on some stuff and put some money into self-development. But I think, I think you use the word concepts. I think the things deep inside of us, we don't know always how to make sense of those. There's no model I can wrap around it. There's no like profit scheme. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. This mean you having a like when I mean, we're literally having a cup of tea, aren't we, and chatting. And when you're in the space of someone that can access you, which I feel, you know, that's how it is with us, like how mm-hmm. it's been before from afar, we've just like been each other's world. I think that's really, really magical because in the presence of another that can hold the truth Mm. and then we're sharing some truths you know I'm very I very much like people disagreeing or asking questions and but I think that's where we're at right now it's there's no um there's no hanging around there's like Mm. how do we all work together and do some good stuff like yeah that's it whether we do like we can do free writing clubs we can do a homeless reach out like there's like a gazillion things even I think about Reiki, so I offer Reiki and I've been training in it. Mm-hmm. And although I love it, like it feels very luxurious to have a Reiki treatment on me when I do Reiki shares. What I've worked out is if you just help, like if you go out and help people on a day when I've got a bit of extra time, if I help a local guy in a cafe or if I help a woman with a shopping, anything, that is as good as any Reiki. Because the flushing feelings through your body, the that you know some you know that feeling of like your breath's been taken away because you, you like that feeling mm-hmm. that I mean Reiki feels lovely but when I help someone and they smile at me or they just tell me something I'm like there's this like flush in my body and I just go that's like free Reiki like go help your neighbor it's free Reiki <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know what I mean I know that's yeah. I, I say things in a silly way sometimes but mm-hmm. 
I think it's like a flush. It's an energy flush. If you mm. go and help someone, it is quite selfish. It's an energy flush. Mm. If you're feeling like shit, go, sorry. If you're feeling not mm. very, go and, go and help someone, it's an energy flush. You're going to feel like on top of the world and then you'll probably be tired because your energy is flushed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's do an advertising campaign. Go do an energy flush tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> that is so funny. I need to try Reiki. I've been wanting to try Reiki, actually. Mm -hmm. yeah. Supporting your lovely energy system. You must. You must. Yes, yes. I, I've been on my own spiritual journey. The, the last part of 2000, well, probably all of 2018, that's something I kind of committed to was this is an area of myself I'm really going to zone in on and and really work on and so I've been uh, meeting with a, a a woman who is a counselor but she's also um, intuitive and and specializes in spirituality and that piece also so it's been amazing for me and I feel like Reiki would, would really, it is, I need to find somebody who does it here. I wish we could do it over the computer, but probably not. <laughs> I'm, so my, part of the training I'm at now is, um, I think it's called this distance. It's basically distance healing. So mm. that's what I'm learning at the moment. I mean, oh, Sarah, it, it is so fascinating. So we, for our training, just a few weeks back, we mm. use little bears. So for example, say you said, oh, you know, I was your practitioner. You said you, um, you were fearful of a situation or you were, you know, very foggy in the head or whatever. Well, I literally do Reiki on this little bear over here with me, but that, but, but it transmutes to you. So it's your body because it's an energy read. It is fascinating. That so is. I'm training in that part now. Oh, um, good. You know, maybe, maybe you can be like one of my, um, cause I do, I did my first training and then I did lots of sort of, they call them like guinea pigs in our country. Do you yeah. Know yeah. Uh -huh. Lots of people come through and I did lots of Reiki training sessions and then I had feedback from my teacher. So when I'm ready to do my distance stuff, I can, I'll check in with you. And Amazing. Say, uh, you, you, me, and the teddy bear need to have a little session. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your guinea pig. Yeah, be my guinea pig. Um, but definitely check in with your lady who you're speaking to and ask her to refer you or recommend someone and then just go intuitively if you like them or not. But it's mm -hmm. really lovely. Really lovely. And you can yeah. You can do self-reiki as well, like self-healing things, which we can chat about another time. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I know. I feel like I'm going to have to have you on here for another episode oh. sometime. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I think sharing your truth, talking about who you are and stepping into that space and that truth is, is so powerful too when it, when it's done together. And that's something that, uh, one of my favorite things, you know, who Brene Brown is I love her. And one of my favorite things she says is, is that most of our wounds are created relationally and we can't heal those wounds outside of relationship. Like they need to be done inside. They need to be healed with another person. And I 100% believe that. And, and this is how we do it, you know, just sitting together and, and talking and being in this space and, and being a part of community, as you know, 
is so important because you are building that community where you live and it's just such a beautiful and powerful thing. Mm. So, yeah. We need each other. We really do. Um, we really, really do. It's a, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a big to embark on that journey of self-awareness is the one piece, you know, it's not a linear thing, is it? You know, that's my experience. It's not the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about, um, you know, the sharing of stories and why I'm so connected to what you're doing is because yeah, stories for me are everything, even though I love, you know, Brene Brown, I love the authors that have really awakened me to my potential and my, also my honesty. You know, if I, if I was to give you like my top five books, they're all stories. They're stories. They're stories mm-hmm. of real people saying this is how bad it was and this is what I've been doing to, to make a new life. Because, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, you can see yourself in it. You can go, oh my gosh, I was doing that. And then when you see like the, when you, when you can hear the pain of another person, it's transformative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't I don't believe in I believe that you know my mum did her absolute best you know she the family she came from even my stepfather there's that yes there's been forgiveness but honestly I genuinely have healed because the stories that I've seen and heard and I go we're all in this together generationally mm-hmm. you know 80 years ago they didn't know what we know now 60 years 40 years 20 years you know when our children grow up They'll be like, hey, mom and dad, you know, you weren't this and you weren't that. It's just as we raise our consciousness about the better ways we can treat one another, we have to really like in, in parallel, we have to do the forgiveness work because previous generations didn't know. Mm-hmm. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, right now in the UK, there's a huge upheaval in the mental health system because we're, we're still being treating people like they're, I mean, really like they're animals and, they, and you know, you wouldn't mm. treat animals like we have been treating people who are mentally, mentally ill, you know, and mm. I'm like, I, I was in that, I was in that, but because I had care and support and loved ones and money, I wasn't in the worst of it, you know, but just let's be honest for any of us, we could be in that position where we're not being taken care of. Mm-hmm. So there's lots, there's lots to, there's lots still to awaken totally yes yeah that's a whole nother episode i think uh the it's the same here we we don't have the services we need people aren't being treated the way they need to be Mm, yes so we will save that one for another time (laughs) we've got lots more to talk about kelly So, so moving into our, our last section of the podcast here, even though I don't want this to end, <laughs> uh, I would love to ask you my questions that I ask my, uh, all of my guests and can't wait to hear what you have to say. So the first one is, uh, what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth? Without, without any doubt the two things are making space like actual quiet time for myself regularly daily and you know like a a weekend away or a day away 
and um, daily and weekly self-reflection. So although, so I do, I do meditate every morning. Well, Monday to Friday, usually I have a break on weekends, but I do meditate, but I just want to say here that for years I struggled with meditation and it was just another thing that I used to beat myself up over. So mm -hmm. I'm very cautious to say that I meditate. I'm just making the distinction here because I think it's important. What I do is hold attention. So I sit down quietly, you know, nobody else is awake in the house. Nobody wants me, you know, nobody wants breakfast or some ironing or anything. And I sit down and I put a candle on in the dark and I hold attention. And my mind is very active. It doesn't get quiet. I'm working on solutions. I'm wondering what we're going to talk about. I'm wondering when it's going to get warmer or the sun's going to come up. It never gets quiet. It never really has. I do experience things where I drop inside of myself. And that's wonderful. Why I said to you that it's making space for myself and the self-reflection is because that making space for myself has become quite meditative and that's allowed me to write freely and um, even just sitting still for me a massively high achiever scared of not you know being anything unless I was doing that's been a huge practice and discipline and the self-reflection because that's an art that I've learnt to ask questions that are not um, all about performance, you know, how well have I done, you know, because we're all used to probably analyzing how well we've done, mm -hmm. but how am I feeling? What felt good about today? You know, um, what's been the best part of this week? Positive questions steeped in love, coming from love, that can only really have a positive question, have been a really good practice for me. So making time for myself, and the self-reflections have over the years. So, you know, even this year, I've already kept quite an extensive journal, which sounds like a lot, but it's not once you're used to it. But over the years, the patterns that I haven't been able to see clearly when I re reflect on the journals from five years ago, and that is still going on, you know, recently, I know that it's something that I need to gently work on, just gently work on because there are behavior traits, um, people pleasing, you know, things that actually cause quite a bit of pain in relationships if they're not um, taken care of. And I am responsible for, for myself and how I am in relationships and I don't want to hurt anybody or cause any unnecessary harm. So self-reflection is really powerful. Mm. Over time, I must stress, over time, it is the most powerful tool and is, I really, I really don't need any, in, you know, intervening. I don't really need any strategy coaching from anyone about my life. I just need to continue my reflection work. Mm -hmm. That's enough. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, well, one other thing I want to ask you is I know before you had said that you, you are in a recovery program. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's a codependency program really to deal with my people pleasing, my controlling um, anxiety. I sort of always say it's a bit of a hybrid. You know, I've taken some great exercises from a few different books. I can compile a little list and send it on to you if, if you mm, want. Yeah. Because I just find like when, when you're a bit, when you're a bit wiser, like you read one book, but you go, okay, I'll take the good bits from that book that resonate mm. and then leave the rest, you know, yeah. so it's not prescriptive. 
but yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Like my morning reflection. So after my um, holding attention meditation, I just do like a setting intention every day. And um, what I know is going to, what I know is ahead of me that day, I alert myself to, okay, what could, what could go wrong today? Like what could, I could say yes to too many things. I could um, overload myself is a common one for me mm-hmm. um, that um, I'm learning to be gentle with mastering. Yeah. So, and then I reflect in the evening. Sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's half an hour, but I reflect as I'm going into bed, I just write a note to my journal. What I set up for the day, did that happen? You know, was I gentle to myself? Was I loving to Harris? Um, if I was snappy and tired, you know, have I reconnected with Adam to say, I'm sorry, you know, just, restoring mm-hmm. love you know restoring love yeah so mm-hmm. that love for myself and love for other people yeah I love that mm. so it's all really focused on re- self-reflection all focus and self-reflection mm-hmm. and, yeah. and if with, you know if I've had a conversation I can't think of a, an example straight up okay Christmas was a good one so I've been home in the UK for four years um, after being away for about 10. So coming in, wanting to reconnect with my family, my side and Adam's side, I realized really quickly that I was doing everything that everybody else wanted to belong, you know, saying yes Mm. to everything, Christmas their way, presents their way, you know, everything. And that's a couple of different parts of the family. So many different ways, you know. And I was exhausted very quickly. In the first two years home, I was exhausted and just kept wanting to leave again because I didn't know how to say no. And I didn't know how to say, yes, but please, can we do it a different way? Can we have a conscious Christmas where we buy small handmade gifts rather than overly expensive things that nobody needs, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the self-reflection from the previous years have helped me. I've reviewed every year. This Christmas just gone was the loveliest, wholesome, most connected. We, mm. we bought some nice things. You know, the, the kids came out shopping with us. Like it was really, truly just carefully created to be Christmas. And everybody's needs were met, you know. Everybody had presents, but my needs were met because we did more wholesome, conscious presents. And that is a result of the self-reflection because every year I've made a note of what makes me sad why I'm frustrated, why I don't want to go to their house anymore because I'm not speaking up. I'm Mm. really honest with myself. Over the time, you know, your self-reflection is, I grow little plants here. I've just been doing it for a year. And I swear they've taught me so much because you plant these tiny like cuttings or whatever they're called and they take so long to grow. But I go, oh, that's what self-reflection is. You look at something, you like, what's going well? What's not so good, you know? And then you, you plant a new seed for a different way you want to do something. And then you just keep practicing until you're doing it. Mm. And um, yeah, so the self, self-reflection, it is, I will say it's like, it takes a bit of doing. It takes a bit of doing. You do have to do it every day. And I now love it. And I don't feel right if I haven't done it. Mm-hmm. I can skip it one night. That doesn't matter. But I do need to do it. Because if I didn't do it for a few days... I wouldn't know where I was there. I wouldn't have any ground. Mm. I, I would feel really out of whack. And that there was a period where I didn't even like accepting that. Why do I need to write this every day? You know, why do I need to do this still? I'm fine. You're just surrendering to you're a gentle human being with some funny ways mm. that are not always great for you and other people. And if you write your day out the way you want it, and if you reflect in the night, that practice is like this healthy new loop in my brain. 
Mm-hmm. It's turned it's turned out the most wonderful new opportunities for friendship and love, and so mm. I just keep doing it. Keep yeah. doing it. <laughs> Self-reflection, self-reflection, get a t-shirt, you must self-reflect. <laughs> <laughs> I realise I'm just talking for so long, I hope this is not like rambling. Oh no, you're, it's great, it's great, I love it. All right, I'll ask you the next one. So what do you want to make sure that people know? Oh yes, this one, that things really do get better, they change. I could have like a hundred different answers to this. If you ask me over and over, I could really have a hundred different answers. But I think that um, that hope, like we are all hoping for better for ourselves, I think. When, especially when you get to a stage where your life is not the way you want it and how you're feeling on the inside is so painful. I don't even know if we know how to hope because it's so bad and we don't know another feeling and another experience is possible but we can hope with the expertise and the social connections and the uprising of consciousness and divine connection. Like we so can be confident in hoping for a better way for ourselves and everybody else. Mm. It just requires, you know, us to take stock. It really does take stock. I know that sounds easier than, you know, it does require hard work to, keep on track but take stock of our lives get the right people around you to support you if it's for 10 years or lifetime and know that we're really all in the same boat and we can change our lives and everybody else's for the better together Mm. so that did end up being about 20 things didn't it no that's good i i can't narrow it down to one either so I love that though. It's so good. All right, Kelly, I know that lots of people who are listening to this are going to want to connect with you. So tell them how, and I will have links to your places in the show notes also to make it easier for them to, to get to you. But let us know how how they can connect. Okay, so um, first of all, the Bravery Community on Facebook and Instagram. So I am one of three women, three coaches that are bringing to life the Bravery Community here in Wales. So we're doing in-person events right now, but we are going to do some probably podcasts and lovely things in the next few months. So the Bravery Community, really easy, Bravery Community on Instagram and Facebook um, and say hi. And then um, myself personally, um, on Instagram, you can find me under Be Gentle Kel. So B-E and then Gentle and then K-E-L, Be Gentle Kel. And then um, my new website will be coming out probably early March, um, but that will be a very collaborative website with just me as one person featured on there. So I'll let you know about that in due mm. course. Okay. Connect, like, say hi. Please let me know that you found me through Sarah and the We Community. Yeah, and just, I, I just, I'm always open to have a conversation, especially around these topics um, and available to talk yeah, conscious connecting and all those things. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I can't wait to connect with you even more after this. And I know that the listeners will really want to connect with you as well. So thank you so much for all of your 
wisdom and vulnerability and heart that you shared with us today. Thank you for being here. It's truly just a pleasure and an honor to have you. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, babe, honestly. And I just, I'm so glad we haven't met before now because I'm like, ah, how lovely is it? It's like one of those long distance love affairs, you know, and you're like, finally we're connected and it was real, everything that I imagined. <laughs> and I just look forward hopefully to being um, a part of other things in the future. I'm pretty sure that we're going to have lots to share and I look forward to listening to um, yeah, your listeners. So thank you everyone mm-hmm. for listening. Yes, thank you. All right, my friends, what an awesome and inspirational interview. We absolutely believe in the power of our stories. Speaking our truth is vital to our growth, and it also helps others grow by knowing they are not alone. This episode of the We Podcast is brought to you by the We Spot. The We Spot is a place to learn, grow, and connect with like-minded women. The We Spot blog has also just launched. It's very exciting. So we would love for you to check that out. You can find the We Spot blog along with other We Podcast episodes at thewespot.com. Also, we would love to connect with you on social media. So head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages and get plugged in. We also ask that if you love the WE podcast that you write us a review. We may even share your review and give you a shout out on the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on our new episodes dropping every week. Thank you so much and we can't wait to see you over on social media. Thank you for being here today. It really means a lot to us. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.